So last week, uh, we had a look at Saul and the insecurity that he held in his heart and how he grew in his insecurity to a place from basically when he was uh, first to be anointed as king, he hid, didn't want to be noticed, to a point where he was trying to please people all the time, to a point where he ended up destroying others around him because of the insecurity that was in him. Um, And I sort of had a bit of a wrestle this week in terms of what to look at this week and wrestled right up until basically this morning thinking about it. I had stuff in my head and mind and heart. Um, I'd had a good look at David and his life, King David, because he was sort of the opposite to Saul. He, He had confidence in God. Even from the very first moment when he went to face Goliath, there was no fear in his life. There was no trying to please people. He didn't try and please people by the way he acted. He was totally abandoned to his pursuit of God. And it didn't matter what other people thought. He'd given his heart fully to God. When we see Saul inquire of God, it was always about he was talked to Samuel and he'd say, Samuel, can you ask your God for me? as though it wasn't a personal relationship, whereas David would cry out to God and he would see God for a word himself uh, for the people and for himself. So there's such a vast difference. However, I'm not talking about that today. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that's been mentioned already this morning, actually, by by Mitch and others, and that's um, not falling short of grace. Okay, so... Throughout this week, I've sort of had this annoying struggle. I don't know if you guys ever have it, where you just you, you look at the world around you and you're just almost like, oh man, this, I just feel really yuck. This place just feels horrible. Uh, it's almost like you're feeling like, what's the point? Um, you don't think that actually you'll give up or anything, but there's there's that sort of the world seems so strong sometimes doesn't it the influence of the world around you and and it's like you come to this place where you just feel grubby feel like the world's just so gross it's like soot and dirt mud gets all over you and then you go into God's presence and it washes off you you get that grace and maybe even in your life as Mitchell was alluding to this morning you might end up being in a place where you feel like you just want to please God but you don't you're doing stuff that you want to you don't want to do and you're not doing stuff you do want to do and you feel so short of God's grace. And I just wanted to sort of really talk about what does that look like? How can we fall short of grace? So there's two things that were mentioned this morning. One was the law when um, you know Mitch was talking about law and what, what is that if you're not familiar with when people talk about the law. That's basically rules and regulations, okay? So it might be in order for something to happen, I have to obey this rule. It's sort of obvious, I guess, if we look at the world in terms of, you know, I've got to obey this rule and that's a result of it um, and that's how I can be free. And so often as Christians, we end up in this place ourselves where, we're, where we feel that even though we've got grace, when we fall short of God's standard, we feel that we've missed out with God. And this word grace is so amazingly powerful because it doesn't only allow for forgiveness of our sins, so grace is that unmerited favour that comes from God that that rests on our life, and in fact, grace has been shown to the whole world through Jesus. The whole world can have that grace. God sent his son to die for every single person. That grace extends to every single person, but people don't take advantage of it. The other problem is that people do take advantage of the grace. 
So there's two sides to that advantage. One is taking advantage of what you do have. The other one is trampling it under your feet. In other words, that you understand the freedom that you have now in Christ and so therefore you feel that maybe you can just do whatever you want and there's no consequence, which is not true. You are saved, you will go to heaven, but sin always has a consequence and that is always terrible. So if we think about the story of the prodigal son, at what point was he not the son of the father? Not one point. He was always the son of the father. He had that relationship in terms of you are my son, everything I have belongs to you. So he went off to a far land out of his father's household, out of his father's protection and he ended up in a place in a foreign land feeding pigs and then eating what he fed the pigs because he'd run out of everything. He'd, he'd basically run out of all resources, all hope, all dignity and he, and he needed it restored. And he came back to his father who was waiting for him and then everything got restored. As the story goes, the father was looking and he saw him coming far off and he ran out and he grabbed him and kissed his neck and said, Welcome home, son. Everything that I have, it was, it was there for you, but you walked away from it. You didn't take advantage of the grace and the love that I have for you. You just stepped out of that and you were trampling it. But there was two things. One thing was he wasn't taking advantage of the grace in terms of the advantage of it being a benefit, but he wasn't taking advantage of it either in the fact that he was using that grace to, he was using that grace to propel him into sin and, and because the Father is so gracious... He lets us choose which way we're going, which is good and bad. Um, that free choice thing is a, a curse and a blessing at the same time because when we choose life, it's awesome. When we choose death, it's terrible and the consequences are huge. So I was thinking about it in terms of like, what does it mean? Like, I'll read out firstly from um, um, Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 1. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. As God's partners, this is the, the writer Paul, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. So that was also, don't trample underfoot the gift of grace that you have. For God says, at the right time I heard you, on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now, today is the day of salvation. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. Oh dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. Sorry, I've skipped there from verse 3 to, to verse um, 11. I'm asking you to respond as if you are my own children. Open your hearts to us. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can... Light live with darkness. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be in partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I will be your father, you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty." So there's two things that sort of come out through that. In the first verse, it's saying, guys, don't ignore this marvellous gift of grace that you have. If we went back, and you can if you want to, and look at Galatians chapter 5, um, verse 1 and on, we'll, we'll read it in a second. 
You can see quite clearly that there's two things that happen here. There's the law, which is the obedience and, you know, doing everything that God says and making sure I stick to the letter of the law. And then there's grace, which makes up for our lack, right? And, and as we talk about Jesus, it's all about him, right? I'm only really worthy to God because of Jesus, not because of myself. I've, I've never actually done enough to make myself right with God. It's all been a total gift that is given through Jesus Christ. Now, we hear sometimes, you know, that we're sinners, which isn't true. Once we're saved, we're not sinners anymore. But we can become sinners again. The way that we do that, it says, is that we let ourselves be subject back under the law. Then we become sinners again. Why is that? We only sin because the law says that something's wrong, right? Does that make sense? So the law at the moment is I can touch this desk. So therefore it's not sin. If suddenly the government decrees that nobody in Australia is to touch the top of the pulpit at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship and I touch it, now I've broken the law. Why have I broken the law? Because the law says I can't do it and therefore I'm a sinner because the law judges me. The law can then say, look, according to the law, you have done wrong. And I have. But grace is very different. Grace allows me to actually not be judged because grace is through Jesus Christ and he took the penalty and the punishment for my sin. If I was living under law, under the the rules and regulations, all it does is show me what a bad person I am. That means that when I start to look at the law as my judge, rather than God as my judge, I will always be doing wrong. So each and every one of us has been in that situation, haven't you? where you get that struggle that was talked about in communion this morning. I just want to do the right thing. I've done the wrong thing. And all of a sudden, you get yourself in such a a bind that you're saying, I'm not worthy to God because the law has judged me unworthy and therefore I'm a sinner and therefore God doesn't love me and therefore I can't take advantage of that grace because I put myself back under the law, what is right and wrong. Now, is there right and wrong? Absolutely. But what Paul is saying here is you need to take advantage of the grace that is being given to you through Jesus Christ. Why? Because grace doesn't just forgive you. It empowers you not to be trapped and held captive by the sin. By being bound by it, when you start to think about it, how are you bound? You're like this. You're like, man, I've done so wrong. And all day you're just focusing on what a bad person you are, how you've missed the mark, and sin leads to sin leads to sin. The condemnation builds up in your life and you're like, just, I'm so hopeless. And in the Galatians, we'll read that bit now, I think. Galatians chapter 5, listen to this. So Galatians 5, starting at verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favour with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been out, you have been cut off from Christ, and you have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. 
You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. Yeah, this false teaching is like a yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. When you read this, what it's really saying is this, that you are free because of Christ, not because of yourself. And when he's writing to these Galatians, he says, what has come over you guys? You are so foolish. What you've done is you've decided that to actually be right with God now, I've received grace from Christ, I've received the forgiveness from him, but now that I'm a Christian, I really need to get back under doing the right thing. The rules and regulations, I need to make sure I obey every single letter of the law and as soon as I don't, what happens? I feel bad, right? All of a sudden, condemnation comes upon me. All of a sudden, guilt comes upon me. All of a sudden, shame comes upon me and I don't think I'm worthy of anything that God has. And the power and the empowerment that grace provides to my life is suddenly lost. And it says very strongly there that if you do that, you are cut off from Christ. You've cut yourself off. You've made the death of Christ a joke. You've, you've said really, yes, I understand that you died for my sin, but now I'm going to try and work out my own way, how to get right with you, God. And what happens is that you begin to live in this sin again. You begin to be subject to the law and nothing you ever do is good enough. Nothing you ever say is good enough. Nothing you ever think is good enough because you know every single time you're breaking some law of God. But grace is meant to set you free from that. Not so that you can sin. That's not the point of it at all. Grace is not there so that you can just do whatever you want, go whatever way you want, and no consequence, and, you know, whatever happens. I'm just going to live my life in a really ungodly manner, just not living in a righteous way at all. That's not the point of grace. But what it does is release you from being captive to those thoughts, the condemnation, the guilt, so that you can actually live a powerful Christian life. Who can work for God when they're feeling guilty all the time? Who can work for God when all the time they just feel shame? Who can work for God when in their heart they're just feeling like they're not worth anything? Nobody. And what happens is that sometimes we take our eye off that. It's like, God has equipped and given you every spiritual blessing that you need on this earth. He has made you all able ministers of the gospel. But as soon as you put yourself back under the right and wrong, all you become is a slave to that. And you're not a slave to righteousness. When you start to live from that standing with God, the right standing, the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ... That empowers you to live a totally different life. Why? Because you're saying it's not relying on me. I'm now in Christ. It's not me. It's Christ. It's not me. It's Christ that lives in me. It's like that death of self and saying, I open up my heart to you, God. And Jesus gave us some new rules to follow, didn't he? The new commandment. You love. Love God. Love another. Love one another. And out of that, you will know that you will fulfill every commandment of the law. And that righteousness that God has for us is made available through Jesus Christ, not through us. Has anyone not stepped out because they feel that they're not worth it with God? Have you ever not stepped out because you feel you're not right with God? This is where grace comes in. And you start to realize that actually, how can I fall short, how can I fall short of grace? 
Because grace never judges me. How can I fall short of that grace? How can I not reach grace? It means that I'm not reaching out towards Christ and saying, this is about you. This is about your righteousness. This is about your goodness. This is about the way you live your life, Jesus, and I'm in you. What a freedom that brings. And that's what's written to the Galatians. You're foolish. You're crazy. All you've done is just change one set of rules for another set of rules. Or you're trying to go back to the old rules of of do and don't. But I've set you free from that. I was thinking about it in terms of what does that look like in life. I don't know if ever you've ever got a gift voucher that you've never used. You ever done that? <laughs> You're all happy, Christmas, get all these gift vouchers. Wow, that's awesome. Massage, uh, you know, down at the beach, whatever it is, a holiday. Has anyone got vouchers like that? I haven't actually. <laughs> that's pretty big. But you've got the gift there. You've got it in your hot little hands. But there's usually written on it an expiry date, right? This will expire in 12 months. So you put it in your drawer and you're like, yeah, man, that'll be so awesome. I just really will love that massage. It's going to be the best day. You put it in your drawer, you forget about it. At 11, 11 months and 30 days, you realise you've got a voucher there and you go and look at it and you realise, whoa, it expires tomorrow, it's too late or it has already expired You've got something that you never take advantage of. It could be like if you're watching Survivor, like I do sometimes. They've got the immunity necklace. Imagine sitting at tribal council and they're about to vote you out and you're like, (laughs) I've got this immunity necklace, but I'm safe. I am so safe. And you never use it. And the tribe goes, you're out. They call that blindside on Survivor if anyone doesn't watch it. You get blindsided. You're like, you feel so secure, but all of a sudden you're out because you haven't taken advantage of what you have, which is they have an immunity necklace, which means you can't get voted out. How many times have you done that in your life? Instead of running to God, like the Bible says, you know, if if you sin, then just go and ask for forgiveness from God and he will forgive you. Why? Because he is so amazing. Just take advantage of that. Or the other verse that talks about how we're meant to walk boldly into the throne room of grace. With God, us as Christians, like we often think of it, we've got to walk into this throne room of judgment, don't we? The Bible doesn't say that for those of us who are saved, who have received Christ in our life, there's a throne room, and in that throne room is not judgment. It says, Come boldly. Come boldly into the, the throne room of what? Grace. Why? So that you can receive forgiveness and help in the time of need. So that you can be built up because God says, you know what, yeah, of course you missed it. I knew that. Why do you think I sent Jesus? Because you're really not good enough. Not by yourself. But I've now placed inside of you a spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he talks with your spirit. He can actually show you things to come. He can comfort you. He can guide you. He can lead you in the path of righteousness. All you have to do is start to connect in. And instead of shutting off because you think you don't deserve it, you start to open up your heart to the very one who can give you grace. It's like when when we don't come to God, when we don't want to go and see him, why is it? Because we're scared. We're scared he doesn't love us. We're insecure. We don't think that God's love is strong enough to, 
to really grab hold of us at times. We're afraid of rejection, but God might reject me. But that's not scriptural. It's just not Bible. It's not. Those of us who are saved, we're now his children. And he wants us to enter into that place. He wants us to draw close to him. And in our own foolishness, we decide that we're going to put the wall up between us and God. The Bible says very clearly that the wall between us and God was broken. It happened on the, on the day that Jesus died. It talks about, um, someone mentioned it last week, the Holy of Holies, a place where only the priest could go into to get that real presence of God and how it says that it tore from top to bottom, from heaven to earth. God opened up a channel for us to enter into his presence. <laughs> oh man, that's beautiful, isn't it? It was broken from heaven to earth. God is the one who opened up that way and he wants us to enter into that grace. And it's a very simple message this morning. God's grace has been poured out upon you. Please take advantage of it. Please take advantage of it. Sometimes we think, but, but, but I, if I take advantage of it, it's almost like I'm using God, you know, like, you know. I'm using you, God. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. I'm using the blood of Jesus every single day. Because I'm not good enough, so I need it. That's why I need your forgiveness, Jesus. I need your grace, Jesus. I need your life, Jesus, because mine's not really worth anything. And that's what Jesus said I came to do. I came to serve, not to be served. I came to set you free. And that's the whole point of Christ. Please don't ever fall short of the grace of God because you feel that he doesn't want you there, that he doesn't feel... That, that you, you know what I mean. You just don't want to go there because you feel so bad about yourself and then you remain in your sin. You remain in that guilt. You remain in that shame. Yet each one of us has got a calling that God has given us that is specially for you to, to go about this earth and do good just like Jesus did and heal people just like Jesus did, set people free just like Jesus did, preach the good news to those that are lost just like Jesus did. And it doesn't come because our message is of ourselves. Our message that we speak is of him. Because he's the good news. He's the one that we go and proclaim. He's the one that's life. And the other thing is that when you start to understand that righteousness, you begin to live from it. And I just want to put about a bit of a challenge here because there's two things we want to do. Take advantage of the grace. What's the grace's purpose? To move you into a relationship with God that allows you to be a good servant. Not so that you can keep doing wrong things. And this part here I feel is a real challenge to us and I felt it during the week 
Because as I said, sometimes you just look and you're like, this world is so polluted and I allow myself to be polluted at times. And you're just like, man, I just wish everyone was a Christian walking in love the way that God designed us to be. It would be an awesome world. It would be just amazing. But I want to give you a challenge because there's a world around that needs us to be in right relationship with God so that we are not judging them as we feel judged. We want to be able to set people free because we understand the freedom of Christ. And I believe that there has been definitely a falling away from righteousness throughout my life at church. Now, some of it was judgmental and wrong. But I just think about it when the casino came to Darwin. My gosh, what an uproar. Not preaching for or against this casino, but the but as a church, the church community spoke with a voice. We don't want a casino because it brings bad things to this town. It brings um, gambling and and families losing their money because of gambling and and brings other things to town. Prostitution comes along with it. Um, you know what happens in nightclubs, those sorts of things. And there's an outcry saying, you know, we don't want this in our town. We're standing up for righteousness. Now, I'm not going right or wrong if you go to a casino. It's not even about that. We have to deal with our own conscience on these matters. But there seemed to be that Christians took a stand for righteousness. But maybe they took it the wrong way at times. We all do that, don't we? We don't really live the way we're meant to at times. And they became judge and jury. But if you want to be used by God in the way that he wants to use you, there is a price that you must pay. You can't just go around living your life how you want and think that God's going to use you. Well, he will use everyone. But in terms of service, where, where God has this amazing call upon your life and a plan for your life to work for him, There's also our part. We know we're righteous and holy because Jesus made us holy, but we're to move into the reality of that in our life by allowing the Holy Spirit to work and cleanse us and make us whole. And this is what the Bible says in 2 Timothy. In a wealthy home, utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. So looking at a household, this is obviously talking about the church, the kingdom, people who are Christians. And it says that there's different vessels in the house. There's those that are gold and silver, those that are wood and clay. They're designed for different purposes. Now God will have an amazing gold and silver call for your life, guaranteed. Guaranteed. So this isn't a set thing, as we're going to look at. But if you think about a house, think about your grandma's house, most likely, or some of you have a mother where they've got this special cabinet. Remember, my nana had a a cabinet that was French polished and it was beautiful, and in the top of that cabinet, there's crystalware, there's glassware, there's china. And only for the very, very most specialist occasions that china would come out. Because it was used for a special purpose. During the week, us kids would get plastic bowls that were just for everyday, ordinary use. There's other bowls in the house that 
that aren't for a good occasion. They're, they're, they're cheap ones, it says there. The cheap ones, plastic, for everyday use. You have a choice to make today. Do I want to be a gold and silver vessel used by God for good, amazing, wonderful things? Or do I want to be clay or wood, ordinary everyday use? You know, I'm just the ordinary everyday Christian that just does whatever and I never really have this relationship with God that's enriched and I'm never hearing the Spirit when I'm out in my workplace and all of a sudden I hear that that soft whisper. When we read that, we can quite easily just go, oh, well, you know, some people are meant for good stuff and some aren't. And, you know, that's the way God made them. It's just, you know, the way it is. And often people say that with clay. You know how it talks about that, you know, some clay vessels are made for, for good use and some are made for destruction. The end is... The end is there, but the choice is ours. God set an end point, but the choice is ours. What potter goes out to make a, a bad pot that he destroys? Nobody. God wants us all to be fashioned after his spirit. If you keep yourselves pure, you will be a special utensil for honourable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Did you hear that? If you keep yourself pure, whose responsibility is that? Seems to be mine, right? There is a point in your life where you must take a stand and say, I am going to live for righteousness. Firstly, you understand the place of righteousness that Jesus has put you in. So God sees you as righteous already and already sees you as holy. But to be used in a powerful way for God means that you're going to have to make a decision that you are going to live for him. There has to be a point where you say, I am going to die for him. I'm going to kill myself and I'm going to live now for God. And church, this is so important for us even as a body. I love that last little bit there. It says, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. It is so important that you gather around people that love God and they have pure hearts. That, and it's something to be enjoyed. Something that you can treasure in and grab hold of and grow in faith together. But as a church... We often go, keep yourselves pure, but how do I do that? You lean on Christ because you can't do it yourself. You let yourself be transformed by the Holy Spirit working in you because you can't do it by yourself. But to keep yourself pure, it means that you are starting to make the decisions that I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm going to walk out of the sin that I'm in using grace as the bridge between me and impossibility because God has already set me free so I can walk into that freedom and then I can start to get myself on fire for God and purify. How are you purified? The Bible talks so often that we're purified by fire, by the Holy Spirit working inside of us. What is it that needs to die in you to let Christ live in this city? Take advantage of the grace to enter into that place 
where there's purity begins to flow in your life, your thoughts are changed, your heart's changed, everything begins to change because God is now at work and you enter into that throne room of what? Grace, not judgment. Grace, not judgment. What does, sinful, what does youthful lust mean? It doesn't necessarily just mean sexual things, although that is one of them, guys. You know what? Sexual immorality is not okay with God. It's just not. It's not the way he designed us to be. It's not the way he designed us to live. For marriage was a covenant cut between two people, a husband and wife coming together in eternal covenant. But there's other things that happen in youth, isn't there? There's pride. There's, there's um, that overreaching in who I am. I'm, I'm just so amazing. The youthful lust for, for fame. You see it with kids or pleasure, whatever it might be. And this is where we have to make a decision with our own lives, isn't it? Do I want to be used by God for good things or do I want to be Mr. Everyday? Mr. Everyday use. Am I going to be energizer or home brand battery? <laughs> am I long lasting? Am I carrying on or am I just going to be flat without much use at all? Please think about it. This is not a message of judgment at all, but empowerment to say you can live this life. You actually can. You actually can live a good, righteous, holy life on earth because you are living with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he is the one who gives you strength to live that life. Please, musicians, come up. We're going to stand and sing today. Again, praise God. Please enter in as deeply as you can, that point that you're in. I feel like God just wants, maybe as I've been speaking this morning and, and you're thinking, you know what, I need to get myself right with God. I, if God wanted to use me, there's just, I'm not clean, I'm not purifying myself, I'm not making myself ready for use. I feel like God just wants to... get some people to confess that to him really to just say I haven't been living for you this is it's such a simple message isn't it (laughs) really but that's what he's wanting you to do today to make a stand now it'd be alright we can say who wants to do that this morning and probably most of us will put our hands up yeah I just want to live for Jesus but that's not what he's after story of two sons in the Bible and the dad said, can you go and work in the field today? One son said, yeah, no worries dad, I'm off, I'm doing it. The other son said, nah, nah, I'm not going to do that today. But at the end of the day, the one who first refused went and worked in the field. The other one who was all, yeah, gung-ho, I'm going dad, I'm going to please you this morning. Um, He didn't go. And Jesus just asked this question, who was obedient? pretty obvious right the one who went now, he did it with a bad heart and I'm sure that's not what God wants us to do he wants us to enter in with that good heart and carry through with things so this morning as 
as we pray. Just feel like God's saying you need to confess those things to him that are stopping you being used by him in the way that he wants to use you. This is, I guess as I'm growing in Christ more and more, you just see it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. It's very, very important, and he's wanting to let you get right. So there's two things. One, just confess and say, God, you know what? I want to live for you. You can do that as you sing, and you're confessing it with your heart, right? God, I just want to live for you. But take advantage of the grace that he has given you so that you can do that. Don't feel guilty and hesitant because you feel like you've let him down. That's that's not the point either. The point is that we enter into that place to be empowered with the grace that he has for us. So let's stand. Um, I'll pray and then we'll sing. It's up to you to make that covenant with God. Father, I just thank you for your goodness, the grace that flows to us through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us not to become trapped again. Lord, into that place of judgment but Lord to stand clear and free before you living a living a life of of moral excellence because that is one of the powers of the Holy Spirit that works in us the power to live a morally excellent life Lord let us not deny that power but to live in it Father just as people confess this morning and just recommit themselves to you Lord I just pray that you'll take hold of that prayer Take hold of their heart, Lord. Empower them to live for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.